I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome back to the Understanding Ooh. Jesus podcast. Very excited to be back. What a long sleep we had. Oh man, man. but best rest ever. Best no, we've rest been ever. taking a break since the COVID, you know, crisis kind of hit, and we're, you know, yeah. the COVID crisis is still well, here. We still were going into COVID crisis. We took a break to be you honest did. because we all went on vacation, <laughs> <laughs> and we all went on vacation, and so we thought, well, we can't do it this week because Daniel's out. Then we can't do it this week because Troy's out. Daniel went to camp. Camp, and then we did a youth retreat, youth retreat yeah. and uh, and then school was starting back, and well, then we just got lazy. It was Labor Day, and, but eh, yeah, let's you guys not got do it to on Labor Day. Labor Day. What? Yeah, <laughs> on Labor Day. I had so, class that day. <laughs> that's right. So so then we said, hey, and we said, hey, I bet if we wait a little bit longer. We get Dylan to be a guest. All right, and hey. we waited, and we waited, and his schedule finally freed up, and here we are with Dylan Hugh. Hey. Good to be in the studio. Telling you, Dude, tell, us, tell us about yourself. Tell us where you're from. So I'm from Jackson, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> ah, long drive. Yep, long drive, long drive. Um, I'm one of the college students here. I help out at youth on Wednesdays, and I'm here Sunday nights for the college group, as in addition to Sunday yeah. morning services. Hey, the college group is happening. I know. I we've gained so many people. And it's just blowing my mind because, like, going through youth, at least when I joined the youth, we were huge under Corey. And then everybody went off to college and graduated or just fell that's, off the that's deep not end. not on Daniel at all. <laughs> but no, no I get it. uh, cool. even <laughs> Daniel, now, like, no, like, the youth group now, it's, like, growing again. We had, like, what, like, 16 kids last week? Yeah. It was awesome. insane. Like, yeah. we had, when I was in the youth, there was only, like, Eight of us. So how about how many college folk do you have? I, I would say we have like 13, 14 college kids now. That's awesome. It's awesome, especially yeah. since it was just like our core. How life. many do you think uh, all connected all together, if you had to guess? With the college? Yeah, they come in, even if they come in frequently. Oh, man. Uh, 21, 22. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. What a cool crew. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I don't know how many college kids listen to the podcast, but... <laughs> But hey, <laughs> but, uh, we got your boy on right, here right. today. So when, so when do you guys meet? What's what if they were listening and they mm-hmm. want to know? Hey, when can I get, come and hang out with you guys? When that would be? When would that be? So we normally so Sunday nights at six. We are here. We go. We're currently going over Romans. We'll be well. We were supposed to be in Romans eight Sunday, but the business yeah. meeting, so we didn't do that. But we always hang out afterwards. Yeah. And we're here until like 10, 30, 11 ish some oh nights just talking about they stuff me. in the Bible or <laughs> I used to things. fancy myself as the last person. <laughs> but not, nope, anymore. Nope. not anymore. College students be like, why am I so tired all the time? <laughs> well, we, we were at sleep. church until 11 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Sunday and there's another night, right? Yep. And then Mondays at 7. Uh, a lot of us are generally there around 6. I know that Josh Humphreys opens up the bridge for everybody from like 3 30. Oh, wow. In the afternoon, just like work on homework and have like a quiet place to be at on Mondays. So that's really nice. 
And then um, Wednesdays isn't really a college day, but sometimes we end up just hanging out like that. Awesome. And we'll also meet up for lunch or something throughout the week. And How cool kinda, is that? Just That's try really... and have fellowship and a sense of community. That's, yeah, it's yeah. actually really nice because like I had my like college ministry group that's on campus yeah that i go to out uh lighthouse shout out right there lighthouse ministry shout out to lighthouse on yeah. thursdays right yep thursdays yeah, at seven thursdays really at seven we're going through the gospels right now so that's awesome it's really good and then but yeah we just kind of meet up throughout the week we actually have a um a scavenger hunt planned for i think that first week of october so you're hunting scavengers there. basically you know yeah. Told you to stop that. <laughs> well, it's so cool. I'm so excited. I mean, that's uh, and it's so great to have you with us. We are. Uh, I mean, we have had so much time to catch up on the reading. Yeah. So for <laughs> you guys who have got stuck or whatever, we were way ahead. You've had the time to catch up. So if you're uh, not this far. That's right. You're not going to be. <laughs> well, on today's broadcast, we are in the book of Ezra. That's uh, the readings we're covering. Ezra and then on into Nehemiah. And uh, and we are this week only. And we this is like executive decision. We're just, I'm just making right here on the fly. We're This week, we are going back. We're looking where we were. Next week, we're just going to catch up. We're going to move all the way through to where we are currently. All right. And, uh, and just just so speed it's Speed like reading session. Speed reading session. Boop, boop. So, so we can all get back to where we were. So if you've been faithful this day of the reading, we're going to be back on target mm-hmm. in two weeks. We'll be right back on target and everything. So, um, so anyway, I'm excited. But uh, lots of stuff to cover. Uh, and uh, we are in the in the New Testament. We're in the Book of Acts, and, and we're actually yeah. trying to get to the end of the Book of Acts, and uh, this week and next week. And uh, and Paul's at a place where life's not so great for Paul, uh, but he does have some amazing encounters with people. And uh, I think uh, his time with Felix, he's, uh, he's uh, Rome, uh, he had insisted on going to Rome and being tried there, and so uh, we'll get to see his. Um, his deal, his the plots against him, going to Caesarea, all different kinds of things. So, um, so anyway, and um, uh, and then Psalms, some interesting things to look in the Psalms, and of course Proverbs. If uh, if we if we if we so fancy, if we fancy, if we so fancy looking at Proverbs, but we'll be right back and we'll hit it. Okay, we are back now after the break, and yeah, we're going to talk about things just kind of that we noticed devotionally in this in this section, and I'm going to start, and then we're going to go Troy, and then we're going to go Dylan, and then I'll go again, and we'll just kind of keep yeah, talking these and are, bouncing. These are just things as we read the Bible, uh, in case you've forgotten, we uh, we write, you know, we keep journals and, and write things, but when you read, you really should be paying attention to what is God saying in this passage of Scripture, so we like to take this time to... Kind of share, here's what God was saying to us as we were reading these passages. Yeah. Okay, so a little bit of podcast trivia. Um, Troy, you remember what my what I said my favorite part of the Bible was? We covered it in the Kings. I just, I, think, I thought that was it. I thought the Kings. The Kings. Were, okay, yeah, that's true. That's fair. Um, it was, so the dedication of the temple by Solomon. Uh, yes, yes, I do remember that. Love that. Yeah. Um, Mount Moriah, I think, was where this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They, uh, you know, it's this huge, huge thing, and, you know, thousands of oxens or whatever mm-hmm. sacrificed on the altar, and Solomon gives this really, like, gut-wrenching 
prayer of praise to the Lord and blood the, everywhere, blood everywhere, flowing down the mountain, and the whole assembly of Israel is there, and it's like, ah, oh, great, and this whole big, you know, just crazy thing. First temple, first temple has since been destroyed, and here we are, second temple. Bah. Bah, 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 bah. Ezra is where my thing is uh, mm. to start off. And they build a second temple, and it's good. It's is really good. You know, um, it's got all of the elements that it needs to, but it's just not that. It didn't have the moment. Yeah. And there are people still alive that are seeing the new temple, remembering the old temple, mm-hmm. and they finish this huge work. And you got to understand. This, the book of Ezra is just this miracle, right, of them coming back to their home and um, rebuilding this thing. So it's a really big effort. They do a really good job. But it says in verse 12 in chapter 3, Many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud for joy. And it's this, it's kind of a weird moment because while... Everyone's happy that this temple is there. They're also, some of them remember just the glory of the past and remember how good it was. And for me, that that hit home when I read it. It hits home every time I come by this section because um, in our worship, it's no secret, we have generations who remember what worship was like then. And we have a generation who wants to do something new, something good and new. Um, And we have a little bit of differing of... uh, Differing of vibes with some of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that doesn't, and you know, in, in this case, not to say that all of our worship has the glory of the temple age, right? Right, but, exactly. <laughs> but, we, but we do have... Not a, that it doesn't. Not that it doesn't. I'm just saying, not making a judgment statement here. I'm just saying that we have a group of people who mourn the glory of, of their day of worship. And we have a new group of people who are excited about something new. Both mm. things were awesome and had their time. But for me, as kind of kind of on the younger side um, of of the generational gap, um, it gives me a lot of um, grace for people who who did things differently. You know, reading this, you could easily look at those older men and priests and Levites and say, "Why are you sad? There's this whole temple being built." Yeah. But you have to. I think the point of the text is to get you to to connect with them and to realize there was something else. There was something before you mm. that was great. And um, so just as a in the worship scene, that's what I think of and um, really humbles me every time I read it. Just there was something before you and it was amazing. Yeah. You, yeah. you you may be trying to reinvent a wheel here in some ways, but it was it was good before you and you're not the thing that holds it together anyway. So, yeah, I yeah. just I love that section. Yeah, this is a, and I didn't say this in the summary at the beginning, but Ezra and Nehemiah are two books that really are one book mm-hmm. that we've divided out. But the um, Ezra being the priest portion, and Nehemiah being really the govern, governor governmental type section or mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, and also in in the history at the beginning of Ezra, you're actually getting some backstory of some uh, precursor to this mm-hmm. time. Uh, the timeline, if you're thinking in, in terms of Daniel, Daniel would be a person who would have been there uh, when they were first taken into captivity by Babylon and then would have been there when the transition uh, made uh, was a Belshazzar who uh, we saw the writing on the wall and then he died that day and the Persians take over and so forth. And now uh, he's been through uh, multiple um, different kings and so forth. uh, Esther would have been before Ezra 
and so she's with uh, Ahasuerus, and uh, and so she would have been the the emperor of Persia. So so when we get to this on scene, this has been going on for a, a while. They've been they've been in captivity for uh, quite some time, mm-hmm. and uh, and groups have already started to come back, and and so it, it's that because that started with the very first um, uh, leader of uh, Persia, and so uh, Darius, right? Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. so um, and so is there Cyrus or Darius? I, I get them backwards. Well, Cyrus. Darius is the one. Darius is first, and then Cyrus, Babylon. and mm-hmm. then uh, so yeah, that's right. And so um, so so this has already been things that have been given. So so he's getting now papers. And getting secure passage and so forth. So this, but the, the, what he has is different. Is is now he has letters saying you can take from the king's forest, you can take from the king's treasury, and and go mm-hmm. and get these things done. And, so, and Ezra also is focused more on the temple, and whereas Nehemiah is focused on the wall and uh, mm-hmm. really restoring the city as a whole. So you know that's kind of the background for that. Um, uh, oddly enough, I'm going to share something from Acts. Uh, all right. <laughs> now they got all that out of the way. Um, and it's from Acts chapter 23. Paul is uh, has been taken before the Sanhedrin and um, is being uh, questioned by uh, by them. And and so uh, he Paul speaks out and so forth, and they uh, condemn him for speaking against the high priest. Uh, and Paul actually apologizes for speaking against the high priest because he said, I didn't know he was the high priest or I would have said that because you shouldn't speak evil of the rule of your people. Um, and then uh, then he goes into a, uh, when he realized that this council was part Pharisee, part Sadducee, well, verse 6 says, but when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Man and men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. And I just think this is what a remark Paul is so savvy. Uh, he recognized that this was a point of contention in the people who are attacking them, and it is literally a divide and conquer strategy. It's like when you have this mob who's rising up against you and so forth and everybody, and they're united against you, the way you best come back against them is to find their point of division. Find something that they uh, can't stand to uh, to connect with. So you, you and, and the masterful part of it is it's something that one part of the mob is super passionate about. Uh, and, you know, it's like today in our world, you have all these riots who... Uh, accomplish whatever objective or agenda they have, well, the way you undo that is you simply identify with that group. And should you ever find yourself in the midst of a mob (laughs) getting ready to be torn apart, when you you identify part of them and find the common factor between you and that group of people, that separates them from everybody else. And all of a sudden, the tide turns, and uh, and now they're with you uh, because... um, you have something in common. You have a common bond. Like we're all from Jackson. You know, it's, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, we're, we're all, you know, we're from Jackson versus Cape or whatever. He's like, well, you know, and Ooh, touchy subject. if you got a group, <laughs> you've got a group of people from Cape Girardeau County all gathering together to hang you. Then you say, well, you know, I'm being persecuted because I love Jackson Indians, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and then divides the crowd and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But, uh, but I just, I love the, the savviness of it, but it, it, it just kind of shows you that it is, uh, sometimes we we think in terms of um, 
everything being this uh, moment where God, where he calls fire down from heaven and strikes part of it. But sometimes it's just, he just reads the room and, and sees the moment and, and takes advantage. Of, God gives him the wisdom to utilize the what he's got right in front of him. And it also reminds us that that this this cultural confrontation we're involved in right now for us, as far as believers, followers of Jesus Christ, this is nothing new. I mean, we've faced this for two thousand years. We've we are we are countercultural people. Um, as a rule, we're we just we always we need to be savvy in recognizing that st- that we have to stay on mission. Uh, Paul isn't getting sucked into the argument. He's above it. And so he recognizes that you know these are just these are people who are uh, who are um, uh, fickle. That's the word I was trying to think of. And, and so you can easily shift their attention uh, by just uh, changing it to something else. Uh, and and people jump on bandwagons because that's obviously that's just what the nature of people is. But we need to be above that type of thing. We need to understand. You know, we're on mission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so we need to be above that sort of thing. And so, uh, but I just uh, I appreciate Paul. Um, how he was able to do what each of us needs to be able to do, and that is stay on mission, stay on task, look and see the scenario that's in front of you, but don't get drawn into their madness. Uh, just remember that we're here to convey the gospel. I think right now what's happening all around our country and everywhere we go, we, we see is so tempting to say, I'm on this side or I'm on that side or whatever, that only should happen if you believe, one, that they're going to stone you to death <laughs> like Paul was. Well, it should only happen when it plays into what Christ is trying to accomplish. But it is not us trying to get across our agenda. It's us being making sure we are his ambassador. And so we are only aligning ourselves to where he wants us to be aligned. So anyway, that's cool. me. Cool. Dylan, this is your moment, man. Ooh. Okay, so I haven't actually read through Psalms until now. So I'm in Ooh. Psalms 86. That's that was the reading. And so I started at the very beginning of Psalm 86. So something that really jumped out to me was in verse 4. Uh, and this is a, a prayer of David, by the way. So he says, Bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you, Lord. And then he's just like going on about how like because you are my lord like allow you to bring joy in everything that i do in serving you for that to bring me joy and happiness and zeal and love for him and for what that we're being uh, sent out to do and it's just like blowing my mind because i've been to like conferences and i've heard it preached on like we're called we're called to do this and then we're sent and go specifically i'm speaking of like the called sent go conference that was in Columbia over the summer. I think it was this summer. It might have been last year. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. everything's what is time right what is now. Time? Basically. Yeah, exactly. yes. It was a summer sometime. <laughs> but <clears throat> like the throughout all of Psalm eighty six, he's just going over like like teach me, guide me, give me an like specifically in verse eleven he says, Give me an undivided mind to fear your name and Continuing verse 12, he says, I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor you, your name forever. It's just like, because I fear you out of respect for you and everything you've done for me, 
give me an undivided mind so I can continue to do that and only mm. focus on what it is you're having me mm. here to do. And I think right now, with how chaotic everything is and, like, the election and, as you said, the riots and mm. all the other uh, social economic issues that yeah. are coming about at this time, it's very, at least to me, it seems very clear that we need to be focusing on keeping an undivided mind on what is being laid out before us. Like, right. Because as you said on Sunday, it's not problems we see, but like the plans and the path that God has laid out for us. And we need to be recognizing right. that and then going out and yeah. doing what he says. And it's just... Yes, look into God first. Mm-hmm. And based on how we, in our relationship with God, then viewing the world from that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just come on. Sweet. Blows my mind. Mm. Sweet. Like, Sweet. Every time I open the Bible, it's just like. <laughs> boom. Yeah. I'm so Good. excited he drew uh, something from the sermon. That's, I, that's, right? That's, isn't that awesome? That's yeah. awesome. That's going bad. Wow. <laughs> oh. I remember that sermon. Kidding. It's a joke. That's awesome. Danielle. Okay, it's me. Um, okay, so something about me is that like spiritual disciplines like mean a lot to me like i really mm-hmm. kind of base my days and my my di- spiritual development on disciplines and i think that's good overall um but part of the weakness in there is that i'm a, kind of addicted to check boxes and i think i've mentioned this on this podcast a few times before is that i want um i want to i want to if there's a problem or something i'm bad at i want to fix it and you know make it better and move on to the next weakness in my life. So I just kind of assess myself by the weaknesses that I have. And one of the things we're given in scripture that we're inherently weak on is prayer. And how, um, you know, Jesus says, all right, let me just walk you through how to pray. As if like we don't know after thousands of years how to talk to God is like an assumption that he made. And then Paul goes on to say, we don't know how to pray like we're supposed to. Even after that, like we depend on the Holy Spirit to actually offer up what we should have said, you know, how we should have talked to God. And um, to me, that's that's challenging because I want to do it right. I want mm. to do that part of my walk correctly. And so prayer is something I always walk into um, with 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 a bit of a challenge for me. And I and I, I get frustrated that I can't do it just right. And so I try to craft these prayers and I'm, my prayer life is just like I'm always working on it. But it's a little frustrating that I'm not ever going to get there, that I'm always going to be dependent on the Holy Spirit for that. Mm. So that's a little frustra- little background, me walking into this. In Ezra, um, he actually a couple of places in our reading this week, but Ezra 9, 6, he just offers up this like raw, unfiltered prayer. And verse 6, he says, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen above our heads, and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Mm. And it's like, he's just talking, he just tells God, I'm embarrassed about our sin. I have, I have this shame. And when I come to God, I don't always like think about, I don't, I don't always offer him my shame and embarrassment. Sometimes I do, but I feel, but I don't know, trying to craft a prayer that doesn't always fit into my nicely worded thing that I'm trying to do. But then we also read in Psalm 88, Psalm 88 is an imprecatory psalm. That is like, and that means like they're just, there's nothing good in that psalm. There's no 
come around to the end that redeems it where it says, but God, you're my deliverer and I trust in you. No, it just ends with, uh, let me see if I can turn to it here. Um, You've removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. It's just this whole this whole 18 verse psalm is just a cry of of woe, of of lament to God. And I guess what struck me is that like these prayers, these biblical God-centered prayers that we have as an example are like not perfect. You know, they're not super well-crafted. They're just pleased to God of just raw honesty. And I, the part of me that's kind of a perfectionist in this area and the disciplines just rails against that. But that's just my flesh, you know. Like God has already told us, your prayers aren't going to be perfect, but come to me. Like ask. You 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 don't have because you don't ask. So just ask me, ask me, ask me. Talk to me about what you're feeling, and or wanting or anything that's that's that part of relationship for me is hard. And so when I was reading that this week, it just kind of I don't know. That's what struck home for me is just a room for improvement there. Because hmm. that prayer doesn't have to be this perfect thing, you know. As much as I want my life to be a perfect mm-hmm. thing, it's just, yeah. it's not. You remind me of my daughter. She's, yeah. She's, <laughs> I think it's um, how we raised her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She thinks that there is this perfect spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. you have this routine. Like this is, if you do this number of minutes in your devotional time. Right. And these, and have this, then that's, you know, so what is that number? Then you have how succeeded. Many, yeah. How many yeah. minutes is it supposed to be? Mm-hmm. I get those kind of questions all the time. How many of those minutes is what is pleasing to God? It's like, Because mm-hmm. mm, no. I'll do it. Yes, exactly. Because I'll yeah. do that and then I'll be good. I don't yes. have to worry about yeah. it. I don't think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And uh, I wish it were that way. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It would make, yeah. make it so, so, so much simpler. Much it does mess up the relationship part of it, but mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's part of it. We would just be robots. I mean, yeah, if that yes. were the case, just mm-hmm. program us and tell us what to do, and then we just do that. And... If he wanted a burnt cow, I would give him a burnt cow. <laughs> but he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He's exactly. not anymore. <laughs> and it's hard to know what he wants. And I think we, we, and part of religion is we program it. We want to program it. Mm-hmm. Because then I don't have to have the relationship with him. I don't have to continually right. go back to him and say, all right, is this what you want today? Is this what you want today? And it's like, just tell me what you want to do for the next 35 years every day, <laughs> and I'll do that. Or 35 yeah. minutes would be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 You might be able to get that. <laughs> um, my kids from Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, where Nehemiah is um, Nehemiah the son of Hekeliah. Hekeliah. Um, I, um, that's not a child's name that I thought. I, I wish I could go back and have a son named Hekeliah. Hackalaya? And call him Hacky for short. Hacky. <laughs> Did you take him to play a hacky sack? That's, what I was, that's where I was going. Thanks for picking up that. Um, the, um, uh, Nehemiah is deep inside the capital. And uh, this isn't like a fringe uh, area or whatever. He is, he's where it all happens. He's deep he's into in the room where it happens. That's right. Saying? That's right. He, he's he's where, he's, where, he's a power player. It's like being in this country. It's like coming being an immigrant, but you're not just an immigrant in the United States. You're in Washington, D.C. You're right there in the capital where, where things are happening. Um, and, and so he, he's, he has this moment where he realizes that uh, that the the walls are broken down, the city is in ruins and so forth. And so he has just this moment before the Lord where, and it says, uh, he sat down and he wept, he mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heavens. He says, I said, Lord, the God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant 
with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly towards you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and statutes and ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. That is, uh, talk about praying. What an amazing uh, way to lift up the prayer. And, and first, a, a few things in here. One is that he recognizes the corporate sin of him and his ancestors. Now, he's not being punished for the sins of his father, but he recognizes that corporately, this way they have been living, the decisions that have been made from generation to generation have resulted in the nation being in the state that mm -hmm. it's in. And then also recognizes that God knew that this would happen and had prophesied this occurring and so, but and had given an ability to come a, a way back. And so he appeals to God based on his own word and said, you said that if I would come back this way, that you would, uh, that if we would come back to you, that you would uh, restore us. And, uh, and the thing that, I hope nobody misses in this is that that's because God always desires to redeem his people. He he is just waiting for his people to desire to be redeemed. It's it's like we he's like I want to have a relationship with you. I want to do what is necessary in order to make this right, but I want you to want that. I want you to desire to have a relationship with me. And, uh, you know, I was talking to someone uh, just before we started recording the podcast, and they were talking about the problems that they were having and so forth. Uh, it was one of their children that was having all the problems, and, and they were like, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. And I'm like, well, they're a follower of Jesus. And they said, well, they used to be. And it's like, well, first of all, maybe make the connection that the things that are all going wrong in their life are connected to the fact that they're not following Jesus right now. Mm -hmm. And so you have to begin by going back to Jesus and uh, or coming to Jesus for the first time. I don't know people who follow Jesus and go, well, this is really awful, and I'm, I wish I had not made that choice. Well, what an awful decision that was. I know people who try to be religious. I know people who try to do religious things, and it doesn't work. I don't know people who put their trust in Christ and walk faithful with him and regret that. I know people who get tempted and fall away from Christ, but I, I know when they come back to Christ, they do not regret coming back to Christ because he puts their lives in order and, and, and provides a blessing because he's trying to redeem. Um, and uh, it's kind of like the prodigal son. There's just a moment when we come to our senses and, um, and I, uh, and I, you know, that's what I pray all the time. I, I pray that I would come back to my senses. I just, Sometimes I feel like there's just always a little bit of stupid left in me. <laughs> that even though I've come to my senses and I'm walking with them, it's like there's this a little part that's going, oh, I'm probably going to mess that up later. Too. <laughs> and, Same. And, and, and there it is. But uh, but the great part is is that once I do realize that uh, that was that was still stupid and I, I don't know why I did that, mm -hmm. then uh, God's still there going, yeah, yeah, I was just waiting for you to figure that out. So that's me. Mm. I've always imagined it as like the Tom and Jerry scene where one of them gets smacked over a bat and then they start walking away with this large lump on their head. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Tom and Jerry. See, you said generational references, man. That's a that's a generational <laughs> reference. But it spans generations. Does it? Tom point. and Jerry is like forever. It's timeless. It's, it really is. That's something that I was like, yeah. Yeah. All right, Dylan, it's your turn, mm-hmm. man. So when you were talking about Axe, so uh, when he is brought before um, King Agrippa with, by Festus, or, yeah, yeah, Festus yeah. Um, he's like at the very last verse, verse 32 of chapter 26, he said, Agrippa says to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not been, if he had not appealed to Caesar. Yeah. It's like, like these two very secular like unbelievers yeah. were able to see the logic and what Paul is saying, mm. and it's just mind-blowing that Paul decided to continue going about that route. Yeah. And the way I see it is Paul is deciding to use his testimony because every time he's been brought before a court, he's shared his testimony of right. how he came to save and what he'd been doing after that. And so he is – the way I see it is – I haven't gotten finished reading Acts yet, but – what I think is going to happen is that <laughs> what, I, what I think is going to happen is that like he's just going to continue like we know the end like, of the story so we're, we're, yeah, we'll tell you we'll tell you whether okay, they're on the right track or not cool but so like he's going to get brought before Caesar and he's going to share his testimony again and like he's just kind of been like sharing like how he got saved and, like the gospel yeah. and that kind of stuff like this entire time it just kind of blows my mind because he's like continuously like, yeah he could have left yeah yeah there's not enough chapters left then, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> to finish that part of, yeah. to get that far but, but you you're you're spot on and that was one of the things even a few chapters back is that paul has an a, opportunity when he is threatened and he's seeking out somebody who's in leadership and so forth he's not trying to find them to speak to them to say, hey, look, I'm a Roman citizen and I don't deserve to be treated this way or whatever. He sees an opportunity to advance the gospel mm-hmm. in Rome and and takes it. And I thought, what presence of mind to see yourself. I mean, you know, when you get a speeding ticket, you think, how mm-hmm. do I get out of this ticket? You don't see it as, what's my gospel opportunity here? <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. you, you get pulled over or something happens to you uh, unrighteously, mm-hmm. you know, you get wrongfully accused or whatever. And you think, what's my opportunity here? And, and I hope, again, I hate going back to the landscape of the world. And I hope Christians can see how different we are supposed to be in response to all the things that are happening in our world today. It's it's not saying, look at this injustice to me, look at this injustice to me, look at this injustice. Well, I think we should fight against injustice. I'm not saying that. But as an individual, when the injustice is happening to me, I should see that for me as an opportunity to uh, to, to further the gospel. Uh, if I if I'm following in the steps of Paul, if I'm imitating yeah. him. Yeah. It's good. Well, let's take a break. All right. Yeah, we'll come back with some questions and answers. All right, question and answer segment. Bum, 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 bum. Here's a question, Pastor Troy. Woohoo! So we talked earlier in the podcast about Paul mm-hmm. being real smart in stirring up the Pharisees and Sadducees. Right. And um, he like caused division, and we talked about that was like really smart of him to like cause that in his right. opponents spiritually. Um, but on the other hand, we talk about like the way we act on Facebook and how we're not supposed to. Caught, you know, like we're supposed Star to be trouble. these, like, yeah, yeah, we're not supposed to do that to our opponents today. 
what so like maybe we can talk a little bit about what the difference is yeah i think and we were told not to get involved in foolish disputes and 99.999 percent of the things on facebook are foolish disputes uh the uh, the, what Paul Paul's situation, his unique situation, is that he is recognizing. If you think about it like this, he has an opportunity to further the gospel. It is being hindered by the, the the forces that are around him, and and so with his paramount goal to be able to continue to share the gospel, to continue on the mission that he believes God had ordained for him to go on. He sees that there are forces at work around him that are going to hinder this process. So he takes advantage of the moment to say, uh, I am being tried for uh, for the resurrection. So he actually is saying it's the truth. So he's not coming up with something untruthful. He's just simply identifying this is what I'm being uh, being questioned about. And and then pushing to, and then and showing that you're you're saying that I'm doing all these things wrong, but but he recognizes that the Sadducees are going to think he's doing something wrong. But this is something that's also close to the people, the Pharisees or whatever, and, and so they're going to respond negatively, and it gives it opens up a window of opportunity for him to uh, to get out. So think of it like this: think of it like you are in a situation and you've come to share the gospel with a friend, and all of a sudden, people show up and they are trying to keep you, distract you, keep you from getting where you're going or whatever. And you say, look, a pony or something to that effect to distract them, to move them in direct, different directions so you can continue on going to wherever it is you know that God would have you to go. When we're on Facebook and we're looking at things. We are, we are trying to – Paul was not looking for the opportunity to speak about the resurrection or defend the resurrection or to get on that bandwagon. He wasn't trying to say, here's what I think about the resurrection, and here's why I think it's important, and to have this argument. He wasn't seeking an argument. He was confounding his attackers. And and so sometimes we just need to, uh, I think the savviness is that we, we need to realize when we are being attacked, and it's going to hinder us from being able to do what it was that God uh, has asked us to do, to look and see how can we confound our has God given us a window to confound our attackers so we can continue on our way to do what we had already purposed to do. In no way was Paul trying to say what I'm thinking is of paramount importance and I want people to understand it and I want to win this argument uh, with you. Um, Paul was Paul was someone who got engaged in arguments, but it was for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And I say that carefully. Because I know that there's somebody out there who's listening who's thinking, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to further the gospel and so forth. Uh, and, and I don't want to be the one to tell you that you are not furthering the gospel by putting memes of particular political ideas out on your Facebook page. But uh, at the same time, I think you really need to pray that through. I think you really need to think about, is this really what God has called me to do to advance the cause of Christ, to show that I'm a follower of him? And uh, is this my mission? And if it is your mission, uh, then uh, you know more power to you. But um, um, I just I think we need to be very careful about it and, and make sure that it is not for my own glory, not for my own edification, not for me advancing my own self, not so I will get likes on my page, but really because I'm I'm trying to uh, be an ambassador for Christ. Cool. All right, Dylan, what do you think? You have any mm -hmm. questions? 
So, in both Ezra and Nehemiah, specifically Nehemiah chapter 1, he says, Even though your exiles were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. Are these, are the exiles, so the ones that were exiled into Babylon, mm-hmm. are these the ones who were rebuilding the temple, like that had come back with Ezra? Mm-hmm. Is that, are those that people's? Or well, is were, this a different? This, it happened, the, the exile happened in stages. And, uh-huh. and we, first of all, you have the northern kingdom, Israel, that was attacked by the Assyrians, and they were taken away captive. And then Babylon defeats Assyria, so they take those captives, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they come on into and take uh, Judah, and so uh, Judah is able to fend off Assyria from being conquered there, but uh, nobody fended off Babylon. They came and conquered them, mm-hmm. and uh, in Egypt as well, and so they uh, so they are taken into uh, exile, but they took them. They first would come and take like royalty, all the leaders of homes and so forth, mm-hmm. and and uh, lead, leaders leaders homes not the leaders of homes but the leaders homes and and take people who were of import and then they came back and take another whole group of people what they were doing was they would take them to babylon or to areas controlled by babylon some of them were just going to assyria but they were going to places uh that they controlled and really shown this is who we are this is our culture to teach them this is our way of life that's how you really conquered people was giving Mm -hmm. them a new language to speak uh changing them culturally Mm -hmm. and so forth um it's really how you conquer people Mm -hmm. today (laughs) and (laughs) hasn't changed and and so so that's why so they they went in groups eventually the last group that was left were just the poor and they just basically and and think about it. If you're a poor person who's been a beggar, and all of a sudden they say, you know what? See that house over there? That's your house. We're gonna give you that house. Mm-hmm. You can ha- take the house. Use this guy's property. Do what you want. And so now you've got free reign because and you've never had anything, and now they're giving it to you. And what the strategy was with that was to say, well, that way the land won't just go away and be wasted away. There will be people to care for it and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Now a lot there weren't a lot left because yeah. so they they go so so when they started releasing them, uh yeah, that they were in Babylon. Then Persia defeats Babylon. Mm-hmm. Well a lot of the people weren't taken from Babylon. It's now Persia just controls that area of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so it's like so now they have forces. And then that's why I said when Nehemiah was in Susa, he was deep into the capital city um, a lot of the exiles were in outlying areas that were controlled by Persia, but not in Persia mm. itself. So they would have been the first people to go back. Gotcha. They would have been as they were, because one of um, Darius's mentality was is that all the people that Babylon captured, he was releasing them to go back to their homelands, mm. so they could make money and build things and have businesses, and then they could pay tribute. And mm-hmm. so that's the way he was getting tax money and 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 furthered his. His uh, control. So, uh, from a secular, you know, from the the oppressor's uh, perspective, while it looked like he was just doing a good favor for Daniel or whoever, um, or for Nehemiah, it really was a it was a strategic move on their mm-hmm. part as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. No, and I have one thing I wanted to talk about before we go, uh, and that was same thing. It was Ezra. Um, there's a moment when they realize, when they become under great conviction, this is both in Ezra and Nehemiah, that they've been married, that they are married to foreign women. Mm-hmm. And they take and they make a vow or a commitment to put away their foreign wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those, 
uh, weird moments of, because there is an allowance for foreign wives within uh, Jewish law, uh, but so there has to be more happening. And, and what was happening is that they weren't just married to these women, they were being drawn astray. This is one of those moments, I think, like uh, in the New Testament, like with Ananias and Sapphira, you have this, you think, wow, God really overreacted there uh, with Ananias and Sapphira because they they had some they had some money that they were supposed to give to the church. They didn't give it to the church, and they both died. <laughs> they just dropped dead. God killed them. And, uh, and so he's like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Think of how much attendance we would lose if God still did that today. <laughs> but the but the reasoning behind it is is it was at an infant stage of the church, and it was so important to have a strong foundation and for the motives and and the people to be pure in heart, um, because you're building everything on top of this. And God knows this, and so He's saying this really needs to be a time when everything is purified and cleansed and 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 exactly the way I want it to be. And so Ezra and Nehemiah, as they are reestablishing Israel, know that this is a critical moment in which the Israelite people need to be—they need to be—they need to be pure Jews. They need to be, uh, and so they don't need to have all these distractions and 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 also people of false religions and the influence of false religions. It's just like thinking of yourself starting a church, a church plant. You don't want to start a church plant with people who come from various religious backgrounds and have a lot of different ideas and feeding that into the foundational understanding of that church and what that church is going to believe and represent or else it will forever affect that church and who it is and what it's hard enough after a church has been established for it but at the beginning it's imperative for it to be uh pure in its um in its doctrine and its understanding and calling of what god wants it to be so so he does the, he does he I, we understand it to be led by the holy spirit by by god that um to take this action. It wasn't that it was a law that God was passing down. It was just something they felt was necessary in order to reestablish the nation. So. Cool. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.